Tonight we're going to look at a story with a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was a character who, um, if you don't know any of his story, I'll give you a quick backstory. Basically, Joseph is the youngest of, of a bunch of brothers, and um, his brothers all hate him because he's young and he gets everything. Kind of like my, my youngest brother, uh, Cameron, did. Um, my, my, older, my middle brother, Shelby, and I, we would be at school. And, and Cameron, before he went to school, my mom would take him literally to, hap- to McDonald's like every day and get him Happy Meals. And we'd come home, and we had to eat like a bologna sandwich that my mom packed us. And we would never have like chips. We might get a bag. Like, did anyone have a mom that instead of buying the individual bags of chips, she would buy the off-brand big bags, and then she would Ziploc like four chips? And it's like, Mom, that's one bite. You don't eat a chip at a time. You eat them all. Okay? And my mom would give us three, ba- three, three chips, four chips, maybe like five on a good day, and a bologna sandwich. And we'd come home, and, she- and Cameron would have eaten all these chicken nuggets and french fries, and, and he'd have a toy. And we're like, Mom, what's up? What, what with the hat? And Cameron would be like, I got to go to McDonald's. There were times where my mom would say, Cameron, don't say anything to your brother so they're not jealous. And Cameron would be like, guess what, guys? I went to McDonald's today. <laughs> and Joseph is, is Cameron. See, Joseph, Joseph's dad gives him this coat. And this coat represented favor and wealth. It represented favoritism. Is this, if you've ever heard of it, it's the coat of many colors. So Joseph's dad gives this to him. And on top of him getting the coat... To sweeten it, Joseph is constantly bragging about things to his brothers, bragging about dreams. Joseph was a person who God spoke to through dreams. And so Joseph would talk to his brothers and say, guys, check out this dream that I got. And it would frustrate his brothers. It's like, bro, why, why do you got to keep rubbing it in our face? So what they do is they, they decide, well, we don't like our brother, so we're going to literally kill him. So they go to kill him. But the older brother is a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser. He's like, guys, like, he's still our brother. We can't kill him. Let's sell him so he can be a slave in Egypt. That would be much nicer. So they do that instead. And Joseph goes through this whole season of ups and downs and finding favor with God and with man and then gets wrongly accused of things and all of this entire journey and he goes up and down over the years. Well, years later, there would be an upside down kind of situation in the entire region. There was a famine in the land and people from all over were coming to Egypt to try and and get some assistance and try and get the government to come through for them. So, so Joseph's brothers show up thinking that by this time, and this is years later, they think Joseph's dead. They have no clue that Joseph's actually literally in charge of the enti- all of the affairs of the entire nation. So they show up to the palace and they're like, hey, can you help us out? Joseph, like, like I would do, kind of messes with his brothers for a while. They don't recognize him. They don't know it's him. He kind of screws with them for a little bit. But then he's like, hey, guys, guys, it's me. It's me, Joseph. They're like, what, are you, are you serious? He's like, it's, it's me. And this is where we pick up in Genesis chapter 45. I, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles if you haven't already. If you don't, I want to encourage you to take notes. I want to encourage you to get one of those journals. You can take notes in them. If you don't have $5 but you want one, you want to grow, 
uh, be audacious enough to go ask for one, we'll give it to you. But if you can, I want, I want you to invest into your future. Um, and, and, and if you're willing to invest a mere $5, I guarantee you God's going to deposit things in you that are worth much more than $5. That was a bonus. You didn't get it, but you're welcome. Genesis 45. So Joseph said to his brothers, hey, come here. They came near and they said, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. This is fascinating. Because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine that has been in the land for two years, it will also be here for five more years. That's really encouraging. There are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So, this is key. It was not you who sent me here, but God. It was not you who sent me here, but God. It is not 2020 that happened to me, but God. It is not God, or it is not me who caused mom and dad to split up, but God. Uh, I'm not saying God caused your parents to fight. What I'm saying is all of the things worked out in such a way where you thought God was absent, but underneath the surface, God was working the entire time. And Joseph understood the providence of God. He understood how God works. And he says, guys, 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 I mean, I'm still a little mad. When you threw me in the hole, I got scraped. I didn't have any Neosporin on me, no Band-Aids, no Advil. And then you, you had to sell me. Like, at least tell me you invested that money into the stock market. You know, made some, made some money for yourself. Like, I'm a little bitter. But guess what, guys? It was actually God who, in a roundabout way, got me here. In fact, he set me ahead of you to preserve life. Because there is still... A future. I want to speak on this idea tonight. Curly fries and God's plan. Curly fries, God's plan. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes with me. Lord, we thank you that your plan transcends our understanding of it. That you're always working beneath the surface. That there's never a moment in time where even we feel and think that you are absent, where you are not actually working beneath the surface for our good and for your glory. So we thank you, God, for your goodness. We pray that we would see it tonight and understand. And God, let us be people that as we hear your word, that we would leave here not the same, but that we would apply it to our lives. Let 2021 be a year where we lean into your word, where we soak it up, where we learn, where we grow, where we pray, where we seek your presence, that we might be changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I never go to Arby's. Anybody? Like, who even eats roast beef sandwiches? Nobody. Noelle just said she loves roast beef sandwiches. But there's never a time where she's ordered one where she's been satisfied. Every time it's like, ah, I thought this would be better. The au jus is weak sauce. Huh? The mint? That's a good one, right? The mint in Enumclaw, it's a good, good roast beef sandwich. Whatever. 
But like, like, okay, let's, let's pretend you're sitting, you're sitting at home. You're, you're here hanging out in the church lobby. You're like, I'm hungry. You're not going to Arby's. You're not. Like, let's be honest. You're not going to Arby's. You're going to Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A? You're going to Jack in the Box to get some tacos? You're going to McDonald's because it's classic? Not going to Dairy Queen because they took that out? Going to Wendy's? You're going to Taco Time? You're going to Taco Bell? You are not going to Arby's. So you can imagine the weird, the, the frustration and the, the perplexity that I felt about 15 years ago. We get out of church. My friend Josh and I, we're like, let's go to lunch. Josh is like, bro, let's go to Arby's. I'm like, why would we go to Arby's? And Josh said, dude, have you ever had their curly fries? And I said, no, I haven't. But Jack in the Box has great curly fries. He's like, trust me, Arby's are better. I was like, I don't know about that. And he's like, guess what? Arby's has the same brand of cheese sticks that Red Robin has. I said, say no more. Let's go to Arby's. I don't know if you knew this, the, at least until the last time I went to Arby's about seven years ago, the same manufacturer of Red Robin's cheese sticks makes Arby's cheese sticks. I don't know if it's still true, but it's still true, River says. So, so I'm like, all right, let's go to Arby's. So we go to Arby's, we're in line, get up to the register, and I'm wearing a particular band t-shirt, and the person behind the register, this little red-haired guy, is like, hey. I like that band. Just saw them live a few weeks ago. I'm like, no way. We strike up a conversation. I order my food. We talk for a few more minutes. I'm like, we'll see, we'll see you around. We start talking a little bit more. And he's like, I have a youth group. You guys should come hang out on a Saturday night. So my friend Josh and I, a couple Saturdays later, we end up coming to this building right here 15 years ago. And we come to this building. And we meet a couple guys, Jason and Justin Parrish. And they're like, hey. Do you play drums? Or they found out I play drums. They're like, I'm like, yeah, I play drums. They're like, we're doing this worship project. Do you want to play drums for it? I'm like, no, not really. I don't, I don't like playing drums very much. But they're like, we need you to play. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So that whole summer we rehearsed for it. I start becoming friends with all these people. I play drums. We do this worship project. That fall I go off to Bible college. Go to Portland Bible College and spend my whole freshman year. Freshman year after that I, I come home um, from from college, and that summer, um, I was hanging out here, I was working, and, and one particular day, my mom said, hey, Taylor, do you want to go run some errands with me? I said, sure, mom, let's do it. And so, we go to Kohl's. Anyone ever been to Kohl's? There's no reason to go to Kohl's. We go to Kohl's. She's like, I got to return something, so we go upstairs. So we go to return this stuff at Kohl's. You're like, what does this story have to do with anything? I don't know yet, but we'll get there. So we get up to the return desk upstairs in Coles. And lo and behold, this same red-haired kid from a couple years before at Arby's is our return agent. He says, hey, Taylor. I'm like, what's up? What's up, dude? It's like, hey, how's Bible college? I'm like, it's great. You should come visit me sometime. Be great. He's like, actually... I'm thinking about going into ministry. I'm thinking about exploring that. And I'm like, come down, stay in the dorms with me. So a few months later, he comes and visits, stays in my room. We talk about all this kind of stuff. 
That next semester, he ends up coming to Bible college, lives on my floor. We become great friends. And over that next two and a half years, we start dreaming and talking about what if our two churches, which at the time were in Covington and Maple Valley, we start dreaming about what if our two churches merged and became one church? What if? So literally in Bible college, we devise a plan. And I'm not here to take full credit, but I am here to say I partnered with God. I got at least 1% of the credit. God got the rest. But we, we devised a plan and we literally dreamt up what could it look like for us to do this. We would start texting our youth pastors and texting our, our pastors. We, we, we would finesse these ways to get them to talk and all this kind of stuff. Five years later, 2012, two churches became one. Real Life Church and Covington Christian Fellowship. Those true churches became one. And ever since that day, God has been moving. That person is Freedom Noble. Some of you know Freedom. Freedom moved to Texas. Why would anyone move to Texas? I don't know. But he moved to Texas. You might say, okay, Taylor, this, this makes no sense. Why are you telling me this? Because here, here's what I know about God. Is that God saw your end and my end from the beginning. And orchestrated every little thing that in the moment you thought was insignificant. And he worked it all towards his end and his glory and for your good. You're like, okay, what does that have to do with Arby's? Arby's can change your life. Not only because of the curly fries and the cheese sticks, but little did I know that that invitation and that poor decision to go to Arby's and get greasy, nasty food would eventually in some way play a part in you and I standing here today. That you're actually here today because of the providence of God of using every little mistake and every decision and everything that somehow because of all of it, God worked it together to get you sitting in your seat tonight in 2021. Who would have thought that my wearing an Emory t-shirt, you don't know the band, it's okay, they were before your time, that that would have had a part to play in you sitting here today. I'm not trying to say go to Harvey's. I'm not trying to say go eat bad food. I'm not trying to say try and play God's will and try and finesse things. What I'm trying to say is that your understanding in every season and every moment needs to be that God is not absent, but he's working beneath the scenes to prove that he works all things together for your good and for his glory in every little thing, in your mistakes and your stupid stuff, all the decisions that you've made, the good, bad, the ugly, the upside down moments, your forgetful moments, your shameful moments, all of it. God has worked it together to get you sitting here tonight. And not only that, every moment to come, God is not absent. He's present in everything. And Joseph understood this. Joseph understood that God is always working. Which is why he was able to say to his brothers, this was not your doing. This was God who got me here. See, Joseph would be sold into slavery. So that alone, I mean... How many of you have an older sibling or two? Anybody? Imagine if your, your, your older brother or sister were be like, I really don't like you. Uh, and I think I can find a buyer. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? Like, I, I know we don't get along sometimes, but I've really enjoyed sharing a room. You know, I, I mean, I thought we really bonded the other night. You know, we had a great conversation, and now you want to sell me? Like, what's going on? 
Anyone ever seen Alexander in the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Anybody? You have? It's one of our favorite movies. And he's talking on the phone with his girlfriend, who's really nasty in that movie. And he's like, I love you too. And he's like, shut up. Anyways. But he's sold by his brothers. He goes, works his way up the prison system. Becomes in charge of Potiphar's house. But even in that moment, Potiphar's wife, Joseph, much like me, had a six-pack abs and was very attractive, very tan, dark-skinned, and he, just, he was just really someone who was, he, he had a magnetic, like, he was like, wow, Taylor, you just, like, you, you, you are golden and, and just, bl- and like, like the, the, the heat of the day is just, like, it's glistening on your skin, like, this is what, this is what Noelle has said about me many times, and, and, and so she's like, oh, Joey, you are, you're looking good. Guess what? Potiphar, he's, uh, he is out of town this weekend. You want to go hook up? You want to go make out? You want to go do some stuff? And, 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 uh, and Joseph's like, hey, you know, I- I'm flattered. I'm really flattered, but, you know, it's not going to work for me. Not going to work for me because here's the key, and you can read ahead, you can read this, is Joseph understood two things. One, it would be wrong for him to wrong, like to, to, to do what, what is, is wrong and, and to and to defile his master's house and, and to betray his boss and all of this kind of stuff. But here's what he said. He said, I, I would never dare do something like that against God. Here's what you need to understand is whenever you think of compromising, it has nothing to do with the rules that have been placed over you, but how can you live your life to honor God? And when you forget your purpose to honor God, guess what? Sin becomes that much more appetizing. Because there's no reason, there's nothing to compromise. But the moment that you understand your why, that you are not here for yourself, but you are here to honor God with your life and with your body and with your eyes and with your mouth and with your hands and with everything that you do and your ambitions and your plans and all of those things, it has little to do with what you want. It has everything to do with how can I live my life according to the purpose that God placed on the inside of me. And Joseph says... There's no way I could dishonor God that way. So what does she do? She takes his coat and accuses him of sexual harassment. And he goes back from being in a pit, up, and back into a pit again. And yet again, he works his way up. And we find himself in this place, years later, where he's gone through so many ups and downs and Much of it, it wasn't even his fault. And he says to his brothers, Yo, you thought you were the reason I ended up here. But get this, this is key. It actually wasn't you, it was God. You need to write this down. Stop giving blame and start giving God credit. Stop blaming God, start giving him credit. Stop blaming your dad. Start giving God credit. Stop blaming the year that you just had. Start giving God credit. What Joseph understood here is he was in every situation praising God and giving him credit for his providence through it all. That even when it was not his fault, even when he was in pain, and even when people wronged him, he understood that underneath it all God was working. And for that, he constantly gave God credit. My question for us tonight is where have we been giving God blame 
when he actually deserves credit and glory? Where have you been so resentful towards God and toward your season and toward the people in your world and toward the friend who spread the rumor about you or who, who, who sent the text or, or whatever and you've been, you've been in this place where you're just like, eh, you know, this happened to me and I'm mad about it. And you know what you're doing? You're wasting your breath and your energy pointing the finger when in reality you ought to be raising your hand and saying, thank you, God, that through it all you've brought me here and through it all you will bring me from here into the next season where again you will get the glory. Some of us, we've been so busy blaming that we've forgotten to give God credit. I mean, who would have thought? Told the story many times. I mean, you and I are, I mean, if you want to really talk about rabbit trails, you and I are here because of the almost two dozen attempts of suicide that were eventually successful of my dad's mom. That she battled mental illness for years and eventually was successful in taking her own life. But can I tell you, my dad has not been over the last 39 years been blaming God. He's been giving him credit that he gets the glory even in the darkest of moments. Did God cause my mom's or my grandma's mental illness? No. Did God cause her to take her life? No. But did God work all things together for my dad's good in spite of the dark moments? Absolutely yes. And if God can work through somebody's suicide, if God can work through your... Through someone's mistake, God can work through all of the things that you are going through now to bring him glory and to be for your good. Is anybody thankful in here that God works all things together for your good? Come on, is anybody thankful? Are you glad that in the midst of your sin and your mistakes and all your stuff, that God is still working? See, and Joseph understood this. That I'm going to stop blaming and I'm going to start giving God credit. So many people are like, God, you took this person from me. 2020 reignited my addiction and my habits. I lost everything. My boyfriend left me. That was, that was definitely God. Like, you're way too good for him anyways. And he's lazy and, and he still doesn't wear deodorant. And it was, it's a mess. I'm so isolated alone and... My pet's heads are falling off. I don't even think I believe in God anymore. And, and, and friends, I understand the sentiment and I get it. And I felt some of those feelings. And in, in my humanity, I, I'm right there with you. But what I want to encourage and, and challenge and implore you to do is replace your blame with credit. Do this little exercise right on your journal or in your, in your phone. Something that you're mad about right now. Something that's frustrating you. Something that you lost. Something that you're discouraged by. Write it down. Now, I'm not saying, like, put that on your wall. Like, I'm mad that my dad lost it. You know, I'm, my dad lost his job. Let me remember that every day. You know, it's like, let me focus on that. All the things that aren't working. No. But what I'm saying is write that down, and then I want you to twist it and say, what is the hidden blessing in the midst of this? What is the thing that if I am intentional, I can actually pull the gold out of this? But see, we got to replace blame with credit, knowing that God saw everything yesterday and he sees everything tomorrow and he is planning to use it for your good and for his glory. See, 
Some of, some of us have thought in the last year, in the turmoil that we've had, and, and politically, and, and even to, you know, today being such a, kind of this surreal moment. Every day is kind of surreal. And some of us have, have in those moments, questioned God, and God is saying, do you think that anybody can stand against me? Do you think that anybody can stand up against my throne? Do you think that anybody's glory can hold a match to mine? You better think again. I'm not done on this earth. I'm still working. Some of us, we've made the mistake of assuming that God is done because if he was still working, we would not be seeing what we're seeing. And I would say quite the opposite. Let's begin to give God credit for through all of the things that are happening, all that he's doing underneath the surface. I lost a friend, but what a friend I find in God. I lost control, but I've learned to rely on God because I am not in control. I lost my boyfriend, but thank you, God. He was a lazy bum. I'm weak. My weaknesses were exposed, but I'm going to a deeper place in my relationship with Jesus that had I not been through this, I would not have known to come to the end of myself and depend wholly on the word of God and the, and the presence of God in my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's flipping the script to saying I'm not blaming God anymore, but I'm giving him credit that he's brought even my mistakes and worst moments to a place where now I've learned to depend on him. And I'm not certain, but I'm sitting with God in the midst of my doubt knowing that he is working underneath the surface. Romans 8, 28, you can write this down. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what you need to know tonight, unequivocally, there's not a single person in this room that is exempt from this. You are called by God on this earth today. If you are breathing, he put you here for a reason. And if he put you here for a reason, guess what? He is not done with your life and he's working all of your mistakes and all of the bad stuff and all of the good stuff all around for his glory and his end and for your good. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on, God is working it all. All the mistakes for your good, but you've got to give him credit. See, Joseph understood this. Yeah, you sold me, but God brought me here. Yeah, I got accused of some wrongdoings, but God brought me here. Yeah, I got overlooked in the jail even though I was the one, uh, like, I, I, I got the favor, and yet I still got overlooked, but God brought me here. And here's number two. You need to write this down. While he understood to give God credit, he also knew that it does not end with me. It, write this down. It does not end with me. See, you're not the end of the line. And sometimes, because we've grown up in a relatively um, easy society in comparison to societies that have come before us. I mean, the technology and the opportunities and the, and the, the social media and the, all of the things and just even Western civilization. I mean, we've grown up. E- even the worst has, has had a level of, of, of ease in comparison to what people used to have to do to live normal lives. And, and in, in all of this, what sometimes can happen in our mentality is we think, like, I don't know if you've ever heard it. People will say, like, there's never been a generation like you before. And, and we're like, yeah, like, 
This is the time where God's going to move like he's never done before in the history of time. And, and we're it. And he's chosen us. And we're, you know, and it's like, whoa, yeah, like us. Undivided. You know, there's never been a youth group like ours. Uh, you know, and it's like quite opposite. Like there's been a lot of people just like you. Like you're not special. Guess what? You're going to die someday. And someone's going to come after you. But here's the reason you're significant. <laughs> you're like, wow, Taylor, you're really hitting out. Here's, this, here's the reason that it's significant. The, the thing that you and I need to understand is because we're not significant, that's what makes us so significant. Because guess what? We came out of dirt and we will go back into dirt. But what makes you and I significant is not what we do when we are out of the dirt, but what we leave in the dirt so that what comes after us comes out of the dirt and produces fruit. See, Joseph understood, like, yo, this isn't about my time here on earth. There are people who will yet be born, who God sent me ahead for. Can I tell you, there's elementary kids here on Sunday mornings there are kids who have yet to be born. Who Some of you will be their youth leader and their kids' leaders someday. There are people who you will have at your house with your grandkids someday. And what you do right now is planting seeds for them to eat the fruit. See, it does not end with you, friends. But the moment we get this Western exceptionalism that we are also easily bought into that thinks, man, we are special. Like, yeah, like God made you unique, but guess what? You're not special. You are one of seven-ish billion people alive right now. Not including the people who came before you and the billions that will come after you. What makes you significant is, A, it's who Jesus says that you are, and B, what you do with what Jesus says that you are. Yeah. It doesn't end with you. And it doesn't end with me. And it doesn't end with Wednesdays. And it doesn't end with church. And it doesn't end with today. And it doesn't end with this president or the next or the next 50 presidents. Friends, it is not about you and I right now. It is about partnering with the kingdom of God to see it continue to advance throughout the earth that when we get to eternity, we will see the end from the beginning and see that God worked all things together for the good of those who loved him and are called according to his purpose. See, friends, it does not end with me and it does not end with you. But the moment that you're doing this for you is the moment you've missed out on the purpose and plan of God, friends. Some of you are sitting in here with your arms crossed and your spirit shut off thinking that this is just another ordinary day. Friends, no, it is not. But yes, it so is. See, when you and I can understand that what we do in the pit and what we do in the jail cell and what we do in the palace and what we do when we're king and what we do when we are peasant and what we do when we are alone and what we do in friendships and what we do when we're on our computer in the middle of the night and what we do when we're driving and what we say inside of our spirit every single moment is a seed. And what are you doing with the seeds? What are you planting for the future? And friends, can I tell you, God has put in every single one of your hands seeds. And you might say, I feel insignificant. 
You might say, I I don't have any fruit, but you do have a handful of seeds. And if you will be faithful to plant the seeds, God will be faithful to bring his will about on this earth. But the moment you think it's about you, friends, is the moment you've missed the kingdom. You've missed the plan of God. You've missed the will of God on this earth. But the moment you get a glimpse and a picture that God is actually using me as part of his glorious plan and I get to partner with the kingdom is the moment that you begin to see that it doesn't end with me, that God is still working all things together. It doesn't end with me. Joseph, God sent me before you guys to preserve life. The famine's been in the land these two years, and guess what? We got five more years. Here's a really encouraging thing. 2020 kind of sucked in some ways. 2021 could be worse. And 2022 could even be worser. I don't know. But I'm not going to live for 2021, friends. I'm not even going to live for 2022. I'm going to live for the kingdom, knowing that God is working 2021 and 22 and 23 and 20 and 19 and 18 and 15 and 25 and 29 and 34 and 67. He's working all of them for his end, and I'm going to partner with him to see his kingdom come and will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Friends, God does not need you, but he wants you for his end. Would you partner with him? Understand that this does not end with you. But what are you sowing? Feel like you're in prison, so honor. Feel like the authorities in your life, church and leaders and teachers and bosses are failing you? Build something. Show honor. Feel like your faith is kind of falling apart in your hands like sand? Pursue truth. Do it with honesty. But don't be the kind of person who falls victim to what's happening to you. Don't be the kind of person who resents the fact that God brought things to your lap to challenge and grow you, and you wish it wasn't uncomfortable. Speaking to myself, friends, things come at me. I'll invite the band to come forward. Things come at me, and I don't like how it feels. And God is saying, do you trust me? Do you know that it doesn't end with you? Do you know that I'm still working all things together. But I got seeds. What am I planting? Number three, you can write this down. Nothing is wasted. And I hope this encourages you. That nothing that has happened up until now is wasted. My son, Jude, he's two and a half, and um, he loves popsicles. And he, he, he'll finish his dish and um, He'll finish his food, and he's got his little plate. And bless his heart, he loves to put his his um, his plate in the sink. And we have had many shattered glasses because of this. Because what he'll do is he'll pick up the plate, and he'll run, spilling everything that was on the plate on the floor. But we were like, it's good that he's learning to you know pick up after himself, even though he just trashed the house. And he'll run and he'll throw it in the sink, and usually shatter a glass or something. And then he'll run to the freezer and say, I want a popsicle. I want a popsicle. So he gets a popsicle. And Hayden and Jude will have a popsicle. He'll sit at the counter. And Jude will hold it in his hand for a couple minutes. And he'll take about two, maybe three licks. 
then he'll run and he'll throw it in the garbage. I got tired of this because I can't afford a box, box of popsicles every week. It just doesn't work. So I had the brilliant idea a couple weeks ago. Jude takes three licks of his popsicle, throws it in the garbage. So you know what I did? I walked up to the garbage. I pulled said popsicle out of the garbage, gave it a quick rinse, put it back in the freezer. You better know I did it. And can I tell you that that popsicle lasted almost two weeks. One popsicle. Now you might be saying, Taylor, you're a terrible dad. And I will say, I, I'm going to concede that one. It's a little bit true. But you better know I'm not wasting popsicles. Can I tell you that some of you feel like the popsicle that got thrown in the trash? And God is saying, oh, wait, 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 wait. You think that you're trash? But let me walk up to the trash, pick you out, rinse you off, put you back in the freezer, which the freezer represents the presence and the spirit of God in your life that regenerates you and changes you and changes your form and changes your shape and changes your usability. And you might say, I was thrown away. And God says, I preserved you. I plucked you out of the pit of hell and I put you into my presence saying that I still have a plan for your life. I'm not done with you. I'm still working on the inside of you. I still have a plan for you. You had sex before marriage. I've still got a plan for you. You messed up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I've still got a plan for you. You cheated. I've still got a plan for you. You quit. I've still got a plan for you. You lied. I've still got a plan for you. You're depressed and you've contemplated suicide. I've still got a plan for you. You are dark on your soul level, but I've still got a plan for you. You feel like you are useless, but I have got a plan for your life. So what does he do? He does what Jesus did. When he died, he descended into hell and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he rose again saying, now once and for all, death is defeated. Mistakes no longer define you. Your past no longer defines you. The blood of Jesus and the resurrection power on the inside of you now defines you. Nothing is wasted. So you say, okay, nothing's wasted, so what do I do? You're the popsicle. Get back to the freezer. What's the freezer? It's the word of God. It's the presence of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the voice of God on the inside of you. Friends, some of, the, some of you this year, as tumultuous as it's been, this is the year where you get to learn to lean into the presence of God and the voice of God and begin to say, God, I no longer want to live hearing about you. I want to hear you. I no, I no longer want to hear about your word. I want to hear and dissect your word. God, I no longer want to hear a, a word spoken to me on a Wednesday night. God, I want to go to it on a Thursday morning and let it speak to me and change me from the inside out. It's the presence of God. And some of you, the reason you're not changing isn't because you don't love God. It's because you're sitting in the garbage. What's your environment everywhere you go? Some of you, the best thing you could do is get off of your technology. The moment you click off for school, you go outside and walk. Detox from it. I don't, like, I'm all for online school. I think you should do it. Save some money. But what I will say is your life was not meant to be lived 
and a screen. Your life was meant to be an embodied walking with people and with God and living life and laughing and loving and serving and doing and using your hands and doing all that stuff. So some of you, you need to shut off the noise. Get out of the garbage. I talked to someone today who, I won't go, go into their situation, but their situation at home is toxic. And the advice I gave them is go outside and put your headphones in. Worship God. Get your mind set on things above. And know that your season might be a prison. But guess what? God can take you from the prison to the palace. Those both start with P. That's brilliant right there. God can take you from whatever prison you feel like you're in, in your mind. And bring you to a place of prominence, influence, and new things. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to invite our leaders forward to the front. We've got just a couple more.